The information discussed on this show is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content is for general informational purposes only. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journey, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And today's show is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, and be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right, we've got a great show for you today. We've got a really cool person who's uh, my guest. His name is Leonard Perlmutter. He's the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute in Avril Park, New York. He's also the author of the best-selling The Heart and Science of Yoga and the originator of National Conscious Month. He's got a new book. It's called Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. He's got a great perspective, and he's going to help us work with our conscience to make the right decisions at the right time. And it's really a fun process also on how to kind of get that working with your consciousness into a a muscle memory so that you make the, the right choices. And I think you're really going to enjoy listening to Leonard because he's a cool guy. He's got a great background. He's called... Ram Lev, because he studied for so many years in India, studied yoga, and he's got a great perspective. He's a fun guy also. We talked baseball a little bit separately, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation, so I think you're going to enjoy it. So what else is happening out there? Well, mid-October, late October, what happens then? Well, depending on where you are in the country, the leaves are turning. It's a beautiful time of year. You get that crisp fall air moving in. And even here in Southern California, I notice there's a change. I'm starting to get into the flow with how the seasons change. They do change here. I didn't realize it. It's not as drastic as back east in my New York, New Jersey days. But the weather does change, so I'm getting a feel for, okay, you got to bring a little jacket along here. And if you go into water in the ocean around now, the water's still pretty warm. But soon you're going to have to put the wetsuit top or the spring suit on. And it's pretty much... Uh, you can keep rocking summer for a lot longer out here, and, and it's a lot of fun. But there is, there is a sense of uh, the change of seasons here, and uh, that's cool. They have a trick-or-treat thing going on, on uh, in Little Italy that's nice for the kids, and my son enjoys that. And, you know, at this time of year, you think about that. The whole Halloween thing is so crazy where, like, people don't even think about what Halloween means. They just like to get dressed up and have fun, and then all this ghoulish, spooky stuff that everybody's attracted to. I don't, I don't quite get it. I think it's the fun part of it's good. But when it gets into like, you know, you take it to the, uh, you put it on steroids and you get into the slasher films and the Halloween movies and all that. I, I don't personally vibe with that, but a lot of people love it. So, hey, 
whatever, whatever works for you. But, you know, things have changed, though. I remember as a kid, one time I went out and I was by myself. It was, it was at night. It, was, it got dark, as it tends to do with this year, time of year, you know, daylight savings changes. Changes the time. It gets dark earlier. And I was out a block or so away from my home. And I just kept filling up. I had these two bags. And I was filling them up and filling them up. And it was dark out. And I remember thinking like, wow, I'm just a little kid. I'm, I'm banging on these strange doors and collecting candy. And who would think of doing that now? You would never send your kids out there. I, don't, I guess it was a different time that was more trusting because my parents overall were very strict. But this time they, they let me out. I finally kind of waddled my way home with my two bags of candy. And one of them just burst through because I had so much stuff in there. And I was very sad at the time. And, uh, but probably better off because I'm sure I had enough candy and my visits to the dentist in the following years uh, proved that point. So anyhow, things have changed. Halloween's fun for little kids and uh, let's, uh, let's, let's not hold, uh, let's not wag the finger too much uh, people what they did when they were six years old and way back when because you know what everybody does stupid stuff and half the time they don't even know what they're doing so let's uh, let's lighten up on people as best we can just be a let's be a little bit empathetic because people do make mistakes and also people grow you're not the same person you were when you were six or 17 or 25 or whatever and we learn along the way so I think it's good to focus on the now and also acknowledge if we've done that if we've done stupid things that Hey, learning experiences, hopefully nobody got hurt. But, and I don't want to simplify things that way, but I just want to say, let's, let's, uh, I'm all about the love here on Guys Guys Radio. Let's, let's look for the positive and, uh, you know, let's get to the truth and let's make things the way they should be. So anyhow, we've got a great show for you today. As I mentioned, my very special guest is Ram Lev, Leonard Perlmutter. We're going to talk about conscience, talk about making the right decision. So let's do it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, my favorite portion of the show, and that's when I have a very special guest to bring you some new information. And let's start with a question here. How would you like to learn the key to unlocking limited wisdom, unlimited wisdom, and solve life's challenges? So if you're struggling or unhappy with any aspect of your life, chances are you've made choices that were not tuned into your conscience. Leonard Perlmutter, my special guest today, he founded the American Institute in Avril Park, New York uh, for meditation. Its courses are approved and accredited by the American Medical Association and the American Nurses Association. He's also an author and he's the editor of Transformation, the Journal of Meditation as Mind-Body Medicine. His first world-renowned book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, the AMI's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life. He studied in India for years as, and is a direct disciple of Swami Rama of the Himalayas. His new book that we're going to talk about today is called Your Conscience, The Keys to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. It shows us how to give our conscience sway in our life so all of our decisions support and guide us to act in our highest good. Now, what could be wrong with that? So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Leonard Perlmutter. Thank you, Leonard. <laughs> It's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation, Robert. Appreciate okay. it. Well, let's start right at the beginning with some context for our audience. Um, what exactly is conscience? And with all the rapidly changing technology we have in our lives today, and there's so much noise, why is our often overlooked conscience 
more important than ever now. Well, you know, it seems to me from from my own experience that even as a young child, uh, I thought and and people that I've spoken with have thought that we have it seemed as though we have different voices in our mind. And as it turns out, that's exactly true. There there really are four separate distinct voices in our in our mind. And they have, those are the four functions of the mind. And one of them, which is critically important, is the conscience. And the conscience is a standout among all four because it is the only function of the mind that can discriminate, determine, judge, and decide. Now, when I learned that, it was a game changer because what it meant was every single choice that I have ever made and every single choice that I will ever make has been and always will be made by the conscience. That's very interesting. Usually we identify, oh, well, the conscience, that's, uh, that's uh, something about the mind that has uh, uh, an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. No, no, no. That's not what it is. It is the only function of the mind that can discriminate, determine, judge, and decide. The three other functions of the mind that I'm sure we'll get to talk about, they are only advisors. They're, they're just counselors for the decision maker of the conscience. But the conscience can make two different kinds of choices depending on how quiet the other functions of the mind will be when the decision-making process takes place. And that is the real challenge because the other three are loud and they're pushy and they're insistent all the time. How do you differentiate your take on our conscience uh, versus what a psychologist might say? Well, Western psychology uh, uh, is only a very, very, very small portion of what the conscience really is. Again, it's beyond uh, morality. It's beyond good and bad, just like Shakespeare said. There's nothing either good or bad. Just thinking makes it so. And our thinking is based on our concepts. So perception is based on our conception. So we see what we know. Now I'm a baseball fan, and uh, there's a lovely. Oh yeah, what team are you? What team are you? Do you? Well, Yan- Yankees, of course. But um, now that I'm out in Southern California and I can walk the Petco Park, so I've adopted the the Padres well, as my backup team. That's good. Well, since a little kid, I you're a Mets fan. A Do- I'm, a, I'm a Dodger fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the game, you know. I love the game because baseball is like life. So. Uh, An illustration is a conversation that has taken place between three uh, umpires and they're having dinner and they're they're talking shop and and the conversation uh, rolls around to what constitutes a ball and what constitutes a strike. And the first uh, umpire, he's he's a rookie now. He's uh, just up to the bigs uh, for the first time in his career. And he says, I call him as I see him. And the other two nod, okay, okay. The second umpire, he's been in uh, the big leagues calling balls and strikes for 10 years. 
And he's shaking his head in the negative, and he says, no, 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 no. I call them as they are, he says. Oh, I call them as they are. And so the third umpire, now he, he's an old pro. He's calling balls and strikes now for about 25 years. Looks at the other two, and with firm determination, he says, they are what I call them. <laughs> and that's, that's us. They are what I call them. We see what we know. So if our concepts are faulty, which many of them are, it means that we don't, we don't make the right decision. And that's the challenge for every human being. A lot of the book is about, you talk about the law of karma, uh, thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to consequences. So for the benefit of our uh, listeners and viewers, what, how do you define karma? And you know, how much of our paths are filled with karma that are based on our decisions and actions? And then how is it possible to cancel karma that we may have brought into this lifetime from earlier incarnations? I know it's a lot, but that's my little karma multi-question for you. I look at karma this way. Every relationship that I have is the byproduct of a previous action I've taken that brings about a consequence that places me in a new relationship that provides me the opportunity in the midst of that relationship to self-examine my own mind to determine if there right now in the midst of this relationship there is a faulty concept that interferes with my skillful action my job in that relationship is to let go of that faulty concept so that I can make the best choice possible. Mm -hmm. So that's what karma is. It's, it, it is technically from Sanskrit language, it, it means action, but the action is predicated on a relationship that requires the action because every relationship shares this in common. If I have a relationship, whether it's with a human being, with an animal, with uh, uh, the environment, it means that I have to take an action. That action could be physical, it could be verbal, or it could be mental. But it is going to be a consequence involved. So I always like to look at the end result and then work my way back to create a philosophy of life. What do I mean by that? Well, I look at the consequence that I want to experience in life. And like I assume most human beings, we all want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to be secure. We want loving, nurturing, creative relationships. So the question for me is, how, how are we going to get to point B from point A? And the answer uh, is, we need a business plan. But nobody has taught us a business plan or a philosophy of life that in fact will allow our thoughts, words, and actions to bring about a consequence where we will experience happiness and security and health. And that's where an understanding of and a coordinating of all four functions of the mind, including the conscience, is so critically important. And it's something that we have never been taught in school. Really, the only thing that we have been taught in school is to memorize 
and then recite what we memorized. Then the school gives us a degree, and the theory is we can get a better paying job. I know, I know so well. It's I've always thought that's absurd because students are rewarded for their memorization ability, uh, uh, not as much for critical thinking. That's and, right. Uh, so it's a, it's a shame, but um, hopefully the cream rises, but we'll see about that. We learn every day. <laughs> so the name of the book is Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Leonard Perlmutter, he's also known as Ram Lev from his yoga work. Let's get into the core of the book then. You touched on them earlier, uh, Leonard. Four functions of, of the mind, unconscious, conscience, five senses of logic, manas, and ego. So the body's powered by these four functions and guided by our super conscious wisdom. How does this framework that I just laid out there work? Well, right now it's not working too well. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're in pain. That's why we're in pain. So it tells me that the problem is the mind. And yet the only solution that we have is the mind. So we have to learn how to train and parent the mind. So the first function of the mind I like to talk about is ego. Uh, Now, this is not the same kind of definition that you hear in Western psychology, where you think about vanity and somebody's really feels that they're very self-important. No. Ego appears to be hardwired to the reptilian brain. Now, the reptilian brain, and therefore the ego, is all about self-preservation. And because the ego is in service to self-preservation, it, just like the reptilian brain, suffers from a tremendous amount of fear of annihilation. You know, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to lose the form. Mm -hmm. And... With that intense fear of annihilation, the ego appears in every single relationship as a color commentator, just like you see on the ball game, and a color commentator and says, oh, I'm going to split this relationship right in half. Now, this portion is very pleasant. I like it. I think this is good, and I would like to reprise it. On the other hand, Over here, we have something that's very unpleasant. I don't like this. I dislike it. I think this is bad. I want to eliminate it. So the ego is always cutting every relationship up into likes and dislikes, pleasant and unpleasant. And we already know from our own limited perspective on this planet that which appears as pleasant isn't always good for us. And that which is unpleasant isn't always bad for us. So if, if my conscience, which is the only decision maker, listens all the time to the insistent sales pitch of the ego, I'm going to wind up in a lot of pain. And, and so we have a lot of pain. Everybody's in a lot of pain. Okay, so that's the ego. Now, I have to admit that the ego is not always wrong. No, you and I, Robert, we need a healthy ego just to have this conversation and make sense to everybody, right? That's true. And and when, when the interview is over 
and uh, we, we jump in the car or the truck, we need a healthy ego to drive a vehicle, right? So they're not always wrong, but they're often wrong. The ego is often wrong, but it's never in doubt, just like these talking heads on TV, right? Often wrong, but never in doubt. And <laughs> Perfect. And, and because the ego cannot make the choice for the mind, because it's just a counselor, it's just an advisor, it's loud, it's pushy, it's insistent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the ego. Then we have the logic and senses. Now, the senses are very interesting because our mind projects our creative energy through our eyes, our nostrils, our mouth, our hands, our feet, in a desperate attempt to see or smell or taste or hear or touch some kind of a relationship that will make me happy, that will make me secure, that will bring me health. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the problem. The senses, uh, they're a wee bit nearsighted, and they can only see the front of the sense objects, and they're always looking just for pleasant and even the pleasant appearing things on the front to this nearsighted sense doesn't see the pain on the back. So what happens is the mind becomes addicted to sense gratification. The senses are spending all this creative energy in search of happiness and security and health. And in the process is going on an endless number of wild goose chases after that pot of gold at an in, uh, at the end of an infinite number of rainbows. And so it's very analogous to squeezing a tube of toothpaste. If we have a tube of toothpaste in our hand and we squeeze it, certainly the toothpaste is going to come out. But it's going to be virtually impossible if we need it to put that toothpaste back into the tube. It's the same with our creative energy. Our minds have become addicted to sense gratification in a desperate attempt to become happy. And once that toothpaste is out of the tube, once our creative energy is spent, we can't get it back. And yet we need that creative energy for many of our duties and responsibilities in life. So what can be done? So again, the senses, they're not always wrong. I love a good meal. I love a fine dessert. I have a body. I have senses. Life is to be enjoyed. But the senses, like the ego, only has a limited perspective. Often wrong, never in doubt. And because it cannot make a decision, only the conscience can. It's loud. It, too, is pushy and insistent. That's okay. the senses. So the conscious, now we have the other two, which is the conscious and the unconscious. Touch on those for us, Leonard. Sure. First, the unconscious. The unconscious. The unconscious is the repository for everything that we deem essential to self-preservation. Okay, so it's sort of a catalog of our merits and demerits. Uh, all, all of these memories that are, we think are important, some are pleasant, some are unpleasant, and all of those imaginations that we think are important. 
What if this should happen? What if that should happen? What if neither happens? Mm -hmm. And so the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind cannot make a choice. So they, they're sort of like lobbyists for their limited perspective, which is often faulty. Now, the conscience is the only function of the mind that can make a decision. And if the ego senses and unconscious mind are so loud and so pushy, it creates a tremendous noise in the mind. And with all that noise, the only thing that the conscience is capable of doing in service to making a choice is to rubber stamp the loudest voice. And that's generally what's happening in the world today. The conscience is making the choice, but it's merely rubber stamping the loud, pushy, insistent voices of the ego, senses, and or unconscious mind. So, Leonard, how can we then tap into, you mentioned the superconscious. Yes. Uh, how, can we, how can we learn to, because we have so many decisions we make during the day, and this, this uh, actually rewires our, I'll say brain in quotes, it rewires us to uh, approach life differently because we have to, as you say, kind of manage and wrangle our, our brains because they're going to go into this pattern that's been collectively agreed with and, and internally agreed with. So it, we really have to kind of break the mold and, and recreate our lives moment to moment with this new paradigm of thinking and decision-making and learning to tap into our super conscience. So how do we do it? We do it by parenting the ego, senses, and unconscious mind. That's, that's the first chore that we have. In every relationship that requires an action, we have to learn to parent and love and train the ego, senses, and unconscious mind to support the superconscious wisdom reflected by the conscience. And if, if the ego, senses, and unconscious mind can be taught after, after they present their findings and after they uh, provide their limited perspectives, because we want the ego, senses, and unconscious mind to be received, we want to hear from them, they might be right, but if they can quiet down after presenting their perspective, then... In that quietude of the mind, the conscience acts as a mirror, and it can reflect super-conscious wisdom from the super-conscious portion of the mind. Now, that's not just magic or poetry or metaphor. The super-conscious portion of the mind, it's beyond the conscious portion. It's beyond the unconscious portion. It's the same portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations and where Paul McCartney still hears beautiful melodies. doesn't mean that we're going to become songwriters or, or physicists or mathematicians. What it does mean is if we can train and parent our ego senses and unconscious mind after they have given their limited perspectives and they can quiet down, then... The conscience can reflect superconscious wisdom into our conscious mind to determine our thoughts, words, and deeds.
And that will positively affect every single unique relationship that each of us has. It seems like, so we're going to be faced with decisions all the time, and there's smaller ones and there's larger ones. And I am uh, trained in hypnosis. And what we would do is to help somebody become a a non-smoker or manage their weight or become a better sleeper is kind of uh, after we uh, bring them down and kind of get them into a position to determine, okay, what are the benefits of this habit that you have that might not be that good for you? And let them see that the benefits by not participating in that habit, let's say it's smoking. I I wanted to stop smoking 30 years ago when I did because uh, I went under hypnosis and I said, well, I want to do, I like to work out. I want to run some marathons. I want to do all the stuff. So basically what I was convinced in a subconscious state was that I have more benefits to gain by becoming a non-smoker than by staying a smoker. And so I went through that process and it clicked in and I never thought about it. And I don't even mention that word that people do this with. I'm just holding two fingers up to my mouth because there's something that goes in there. I don't even say the word. I don't see them. But for for most people, for our day-to-day existence, we're going to come across opportunities and things that are going to tempt us, whether it's a fast food or fast car or alcohol or whatever. And they may not have been, you know, hypnotized or they don't know how to self-hypnotize or manage the process. What can everybody do to kind of manage this process of it sounds like what you're saying, Leonard, is that we have to listen to what's going on and the ego and our senses. And then we have to say, thank you. I heard you. And then put them aside and then allowing them that space, the super conscious or the universal consciousness to come in to help guide us. That's exactly right. And the process is an experiment process. We are asked to make and transform our entire mind-body-sense complex into our personal laboratory for experimenting. We're not asked to just believe. We are asked to experiment, to experience the truth ourselves, because only when we can experience the truth ourselves do we know that it's true, and we know that we know that it's true. And then we own that. Uh And so we must learn how to experiment. And in the experiment process, we must never take on too much too soon. It's going to be too challenging. For example, if I decide sometime in the middle of my life that, gosh, uh, you know, I never worked out. I never really built up my muscles. And now I, I feel that I need to do that. The last thing I want to do without any kind of experience is to start picking up 100 or 200 pounds. It would hurt me. Okay, but you have a good idea to, to build some uh, muscles. So start with a couple of pounds. After a week or two, add a couple of more pounds. After a few more weeks, add a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh-huh. And within a very short time, You'll be building muscles, you'll be lifting substantial weight, and you won't have injured yourself. So what I say to people, when you begin this experiment process, and it is an experiment process because what we're really talking about is yoga science. This is a science. It's an educational body of knowledge that is the compilated compilation of women and men, countless women and men, who have 
preceded us who have experimented with their own habits and trained the mind, parented the mind, and used their conscience as their guide. And so when we begin this experiment process, we're asked not to take on too much too soon. And if you have time, I can give a little example of what that experiment process would look like. That's actually my next question for some examples, because I I guess when I I was rattling on about the uh, hypnosis, it's really about making the decisions to depend, like you have two decisions to make. You're going to do this or you're going to do that. And if you can uh, have the benefits outweigh the consequences, that seems like a good way to go. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so at least I was That's why we want that's why we want not to take on too much too soon so that the ego senses and unconscious mind will have a pleasant experience to draw upon. Okay. So then what would be some good examples in terms of baby steps that people can take to start to retrain the mind and manage the mind to make the best decisions for them? Sure. Okay. So let's assume we just had an, uh, a very nice dinner. And uh, we know that a question then arises after dinner. And what is the question? Are we going to brush our teeth or are we not going to brush our teeth? It's, you know, it's a, a fairly easy question to ask. And so when I have that kind of a situation, I immediately call a meeting. I call a meeting with the ego, the senses, the unconscious mind, and the conscience And we rendezvous at the kitchen table. We are all sitting around the kitchen table, right? The five of us, the ego, the senses, the unconscious mind, the conscience, and me. I'm the parent. And so therefore, as the parent, I'm the moderator. And I explained that we just had dinner. Are we going to brush our teeth? Are we not going to brush our teeth? And I want to hear from each of you because I love each of you. You're all part of me. I am part of you. So we want to make the best choice possible. Ego, would you please start and share what your, experience, what your perspective is here on whether or not we're going to brush our teeth? And the ego would stand up and say, I'm against it. It's very unpleasant. I know it's unpleasant. I'm very hesitant to, to change. And uh, I always equate change in some form with some form of death. So I vote no. Okay, thank you very much. Senses, would you please uh, uh, speak? And the senses gets up and says something uh, to the effect, well, <clears throat> uh, I had a wonderful meal, but the dessert was fabulous. You know, if you remember, we had apple pie. That's my favorite. So insofar as this brushing of the teeth, I'm against it, just like the ego. But I am in favor of a second slice of apple pie. <laughs> That's what I vote for. Okay, well, thank you, senses. Right? Okay, and now the unconscious mind, what would you like to say? And the unconscious mind gets up and says, you know, head rolling side to side, says, uh, I'm with the other two. I'm with the other two. You know, we often vote in a block, so I usually vote with them. Okay, well, thank you very much, unconscious. Now, I'm going to ask as your parent and one who loves you, ego senses an unconscious mind, let's sit quietly We've heard what you had to say. We're taking it into account, but we want to hear from the conscience because in this quietude, 
The conscience can reflect superconscious wisdom and bring it into our conscious mind so we can go to school on it. Okay, conscience, would you please speak? And so the conscience might say something uh, like, I think that we can all agree that this life that we're living is not really a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And for a marathon, we need healthy, strong teeth. We need healthy, strong gums. We need a healthy, strong immune system. And if all of us can just take a time out for two minutes, now it's not forever. This is just an experiment. If it doesn't work out, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to commit to it. But if we can just take a time out for two minutes, go brush our teeth, then we'll come back to the kitchen table and we'll share what we experienced. And so we all march into uh, uh, the bathroom, we brush the teeth, we come back, and then the parent, me, calls on the ego. What did you experience? And the ego says, I was really surprised, really surprised, because I, oh, I generally equate any kind of change that's especially unpleasant with some form of death. But I'm still here. And so, uh, and it wasn't so bad. So it wasn't so bad. That's, that's what I'll say. It wasn't so bad. Okay, well, thank you, ego. Senses, what do you say? Well, I thought, too, it was going to be really painful. But after we brushed our teeth, something very amazing happened. It felt pretty good, right? <laughs> it felt pretty good. And especially when the tongue was gliding over the front teeth, I didn't feel that mossy feeling, and I disliked that intently. So... I, I thought it was pretty pleasant. <laughs> Thank you, senses. An unconscious mind, what did you experience? Wasn't so bad. Wasn't so bad. Okay, so what happened? As their parent, I have just provided the ego, senses, and unconscious mind with a sort of a no-brainer. Because I knew what the outcome was going to be. I've brushed my teeth before. Yes, yeah, a little bit of a challenge. But when you do it, it's very rewarding. So I have just provided a pleasant experience and memory for the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind. And they trust me now more than they did a moment ago. And they trust the conscience more. And they trust that not all change is to be equated with death. Fantastic. Okay. And that, that's a beachhead for me to build on. Not too much too soon. I don't want to give them too much. It, it'll be another no-brainer. But in the meantime, they're expanding their panorama. Fantastic. Okay, the name of the book, Your Conscious, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. Leonard Perlmutter, Ram Lev, is my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. I've got a couple more questions. So you break up decisions into the Preya and the Shraya. And uh, make sure that ahimsa, which is the uh, nonviolence, is woven into all of that. So it, it is a it is a process, but ultimately the decisions become praya or shreya. Praya or shraya. What's the difference there, and uh, what do the audience need to know about that? Okay, so the praya. Now these are the two basic categories from yoga science of every thought. One of two of these is true. The praya. These are pleasant, they're attractive, they're comfortable, they're familiar. They represent some ego or sense gratification 
that conflicts, that conflicts with our superconscious wisdom. And the prayer can bring a passing pleasure, but it always leaves pain in its wake. That's the prayer. Pleasant, familiar, attractive, ego or sense gratification that conflicts with our superconscious wisdom. And the other is the Shreya. The Shreya is always in harmony with our superconscious wisdom and will always lead us for our highest and greatest good. So in every moment, we are to serve the Shreya in thought, word, and deed, and will be led for our highest good. And when we have a relationship with the Preya, we don't want to serve it because we'll wind up in pain. We don't want to repress it because we'll become neurotic and we'll be in even more pain. But if we can sacrifice it back to the origin from which it came, you know, uh, the word sacrifice comes from the Latin and then the Italian, sacrifaci, to make sacred. So it's just energy. What am I talking about? I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about self-willed desire. If you took a look at anger, for example, anger is just energy. But if I were to ask my hand to... Uh, produce an angry image, it would be something like this, contractive energy. Which, which is a fist that Leonard's making. Yeah, it's a fist. And so what do I know about energy? In fifth grade, we all learned energy can't be created, energy can't be destroyed, but energy can be transformed. We can transform ice into water and water into steam. Why not transform the contractive and debilitating power of fear and anger and greed? Well, the truth is we can. If in real time we have a relationship with, say, anger, I'm driving to work. Somebody cuts me off in traffic going 90 miles an hour. I have to slam on the brake in order to avoid an accident. And what comes into my conscious mind? Oh, cascades of anger, lots of anger. What am I going to do with it? The more attention I give it, I'm just poisoning my entire body. But if I can sacrifice it back to the origin from which it came, it will automatically be transformed into strategic reserves of healing energy, an increase in my willpower, and an expansion of my access to the superconscious mind, the superconscious wisdom. To, to succeed in what you're suggesting, which I think is wonderful, people have to be somewhat um, self-reliant, but also self-aware and um, circumspect. And that's not easy, particularly now for young people who have grown up in a, uh, in a culture where technology just bombards them with, with information. And you have uh, institutions like the media and the government uh, are no longer trusted the way they were. And they're sometimes right and they're sometimes wrong and people don't know where to turn. A perfect example were the elections and then the whole thing with the pandemic. No, nobody, people basically feel like they're on their own. And some of them said, I'm just going to trust the government or I'm not going to trust them. 
or I'm going to trust science or pharma or whatever, or, or whatever, but people are confused and they're hit rapid fire with information and conflicting information and imagery and a lot of sensory things from, from the media um, and just from culture. How can they get started on following this path that you're suggesting, Leonard? I'll go back to Shakespeare. Above all else, to thine own self be true. We have to become self-reliant. In order to do that, we have to remember something that's critically important. Every thought that comes into our awareness is only a suggestion. It is not an imperial command. Every thought is only a suggestion. And yet, 24-7, if we can parent the ego senses and unconscious mind just to quiet down, the conscience can reflect superconscious wisdom to tell us exactly what should be done with this particular thought. Because this thought, if I continue to give it attention, it's going to create a speech. It's going to, words are going to come out of my mouth. And with even more attention on that embryo of a thought, I'm going to take a physical action in the world. And all of these actions, whether they're mental or verbal or physical, are going to bring about consequences that can either lead us to the happiness, the health, and the security that we desire, or will delay the prospect and instead will experience pain. You know, and the towards the latter part of the book, Leonard puts together a, a it's called a beginner's menu of experiments. And maybe this is a good way, Leonard, for some of our uh, linear, uh, listeners who may be millennials um, that can start to uh, really reassess how they're living and making decisions and start with the small stuff. And you lay it out in a very simple, uh, simple way in some uh, good um, examples of things that require this thought or that thought and making these decisions. Do you want to say anything about that? Sure, sure. Uh, let's let's just uh, hypothetically say that uh, it's uh, it's evening time. We're watching a little television. We want to relax before we retire for the night. And we're watching TV. And uh, on the TV comes a coffee commercial. And as soon as the coffee commercial comes on, the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind are all ready to run into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee, a little half and half, two spoonfuls of sugar, and possibly a uh, uh, a second slice of apple pie from leftover from dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Got to get the team we, together, right? And go through the process of it, right. each one. Okay. That's right. And the, con- <laughs> and the conscience would say something like, listen, 10 o'clock at night is not a good time to have uh, a cup of caffeinated coffee. It's going to keep us up. We know that we have a very important meeting at the office tomorrow. And we need our rest so that we'll be fresh. Now, if we had this conversation when we got up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, should we have a cup of coffee? Should we not have a cup of coffee? I might have a different answer. But right now, I think we all ought to sacrifice this desire, transform it into healing energy, willpower, and creativity, get a good night's sleep so we can make the best presentation tomorrow at work. Awesome. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Leonard Perlmutter, Ram, Lev, your conscience, the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges. It's a new book, 
What do, uh, where can people find out more about you, Leonard, all the work you do? And you, you do a lot of seminars. You have some guided meditations people can tap into online, et cetera. You want to give your information out now? That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah, I founded the American Meditation Institute in 1996. Our website is AmericanMeditation.org, AmericanMeditation.org. And uh, there is where we uh, let people know about our Yoga Science Foundation course, which has all of this information about how to operate the conscience so that it's optimized and how to change the software of the mind as well as change the hardware of the brain as robert was indicating earlier and it it's it's very helpful so americanmeditation.org and also on the home page there's a a link to a free guided meditation and conversation just like robert and i have just uh, concluded uh and it's free. You just link on it, uh, click on it, and it will take you to a, a free guided meditation. And then that's every Sunday from 9.30 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. But then on Monday, you get a free recording that you can use as a guided meditation throughout the week. That's so fantastic. And I can't wait to do that. So thank you. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And thank you for all Everything you're doing, because what, what I love about what you're doing is you're taking very serious subjects and you're you're presenting them as to, you know, this isn't the end of the world. This is how we can create a new world. And it's important that we do that now. And the exercises you provide people with and the and the and the path, if you will, in terms of how do we how can we create our lives is is not I'm not going to say it's simple, but you give us step by step ways where we can get started small and it's very practical and you're doing great work. Thank you. Ram Lev, Leonard Perlmutter, it was great meeting you. I enjoyed the book. I love the practicality of your teachings. And I, I thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. Hope we can My do pleasure. it again. Thank you. Yes, I look forward to it. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, terrific conversation with uh, Ram Lev Leonard Perlmutter. I really like him and like what he had to say, and uh, I think it's really helpful uh, learning to be mindful about our conscience and about consciousness in, in general, but also about our conscience itself and how to work with it. And what I learned, uh, I think, is that it's it's not that difficult to work with the conscience if you, uh, as Leonard, uh, worked with this uh, paradigm and articulated it for us about the, you know, the four seats of the table that we talked about and how you can just process each decision by including everyone in your kind of wheelhouse, your personal wheelhouse, and then making the right decisions. And I think over time what happens is it becomes muscle memory. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And start with little small digestible uh, bites and uh, have fun with it. And I, I think it's terrific and it's a really good practice to consider. And I'm doing my very best to become more mindful and work with my conscience to make the right decisions because, hey, if I can do one little thing to make the world a better place, it has a ripple effect and we can all help each other if we all do that. So anyhow, Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3 
106.5 FM, 10.50 AM, the podcast and my YouTube, Guys Guys TV, post every Thursday worldwide. You can pretty much listen to the podcast on any platform out there. You can obviously you can get the interviews on YouTube and the entire show is available on the podcast format as well as here on KCAA. The show replays on KCAA every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So, wow, we're, we're more than available. I would ask you if you want to support the show, if you like the content, you like the guests I'm bringing you to help raise consciousness on this planet and help, help men and women be their best, then please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Subscribe to the YouTube. That helps a lot, and I really appreciate it. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, pretty much any topic that is relevant to how we live our lives. I've also offered three free chapters of my critically acclaimed novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is a source material for all things Guy's Guy's. It's about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City in the ad world. And you've got some savvy women there and some flawed men, and it's about friendship and redemption and revenge, and there's sex and there's power, and it's a fast, frothy read, and Everybody seems to really enjoy the book, so if you want to check it out, you get three free chapters. If you want to pick it up from there, you can pick it up online or wherever you can buy your books, so I appreciate that. You can also find me all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I really enjoy that, and I love interacting with everybody, and if you have some ideas for me, let me have them, and we're here again every Wednesday evening. So, Guys Guys Radio, I hope you're ready for... uh, Getting into that fourth quarter of the year, deeper and deeper, we've got Halloween, then we've got Thanksgiving, then we've got all those holidays at the end of uh, December. I'm not going to list them all. Say happy holidays to everybody, and they're all good. And it just seems to happen faster and faster every year. And now, you know, with all the supply chain things, you want to do your shopping, now's the time to do it because it's going to be tough getting things. I was just uh, in contact with the book publisher and they said that, wow, they think the supply chain thing is going to be an issue for, with paper at least, for like a, almost a year. So things are getting backed up. So hang in there, order early, have fun, and we're going to see you next week. So Guys Guys Radio, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>